David Williamson, welcome to The Last Post magazine for a chat. Um, how, how are you? Oh, we're fine. We're in uh, semi-isolation up here on the Sunshine Coast, uh, staying out of harm's way, we hope, because this, uh, this, this virus is really wreaking havoc all around the world. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting time, David, to be sure, and uh, we, uh, yeah, we do our own thing. Um, how, how are you handling it? How are you feeling about it? I think it's going to get very bad. I, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm a little bit shocked that so many Australians are not, not taking it seriously when our infection rate is doubling every three days. Uh, I went out last night to, um, to get some essential supplies and there's, uh, there's all the five restaurants uh, uh, around the corner rocking on with people cheek to jowl and I thought, oh my God, have, have any of them not read the news? Wow. Uh, and then I see a picture of Bondi Beach with people cheek to jowl on Bondi Beach, and I, I say we're in for a bad time because nobody is listening out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was about to say maybe these are the same people that went to Bondi, but um, yeah, Looney did a good take on that a couple of years ago. The Australian nonchalance with um, a couple of guys hanging upside down in prison with chains and shackled. And how are you going, mate? Yeah, no worries, mate. Fine. So. so. <laughs> Yeah, I t- yeah, that's so true, David. David, you um, first came to note. Um, I mean, Australia, you've been part of the Australian art scene for so long, and um, uh, vividly and um, pleasingly appreciated by so many here and overseas. Um, how did it all start for you? Did you feel uh, an urge to write an early age? Or? Yes, I did, Greg. I, um, I don't know where it came from, but I always felt I wanted to tell stories. Um, right from a very early age. Uh, I used to write stories, I don't know why. Um, but uh, so it was, a, was an urge that was there, but then I, um, the education system didn't in, exactly encourage uh, creativity at my time. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was good at maths, so they all said, well, you've got to be a, you know, a scientist, a doctor, or an engineer. That's the only three things boys can be who are good at maths. And um, so I proceeded on to do a become a mechanical engineering graduate even though I had no interest in it whatsoever mm. um, uh, because mechanical, mechanical engineering had the least chemistry of all those courses and I, I loathe chemistry and so um, a very bad way to choose a career because I, I had no interest whatsoever but then uh, I graduated taught engineering taught fluid mechanics and thermodynamics and went back to Melbourne Uni and did um, an MA prelim in psychology, which was the real interest, you know, why people behaved as they did, mm-hmm. and um, and what uh, what causes human conflict, and all the things that were really interesting to me. Um, and I finished the fourth year with honours there, and I was going to do postgraduate research, but then um, Betty Burstall came back from New York, inspired to find new Australian writing. And I'd been writing for university reviews for, for some years, and I loved the feeling of um, actors doing your words on stage and the audience reacting. So I submitted some scripts to Betty, and um, they were done. They weren't terribly good, but um, they, 
gave me a start. Then the first full-length play in 50 years ago was called The Coming of Stork, and it was made into a very early and very low-budget Australian movie that connected with the audiences. And yes. um, yeah. then I wrote a play called The Removalists uh, in Carlton, and John Bell came down and saw it and said, we've got to do this in Sydney, and he did a wonderful production at the Nimrod Theatre um, in Sydney, and suddenly, boom, um, everyone took notice, and my, um, my career uh, took off. And then a year later, I think it was almost a year later, um, uh, Jane Street Theatre with John Clark did a production of Don's Party, and that took off too, and suddenly I was, in, I was a playwright. Yeah. Yeah, you, I was in hot demand. Yeah, you you arrived with a, a grand announcement of uh, we talked about the removalist. I remember seeing the movie and uh, being knocked out by that. But you 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 did plays first, of course, and I guess um, La Mama and the Pram Factory in Melbourne. And um, this thing you spoke about with psychology of um, of of conflict, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there is an underlying of that, isn't there? In 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 your in your work, um, the human uh, conflict and um, argument within oneself. I mean, Don's party is an example of so many different characters and, and the conflict, etc., etc. But you do a great job of that in all of your plays. Um, has that been something that you? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Um, well, the Greeks worked out that the essence of drama was conflict, uh, and I grew up with conflict because my mother and father fought all the time. There was never any physical violence, but the verbal was just intense mm. all the time and it warmed my brother and I down and we thought why on earth do people is this what you have to, what, what happens to you do you have to get married and then fight all these all the, all the mm. time and uh, so the big question mark in my mind was why do people fight all the time I mean why do they wh where does this conflict come from mm -hmm. so that was part of the reason I was obsessed with human behaviour and psychology and um, and uh, um, it's the same obsession that that drove me to write plays. Um, why why is it impossible for people to get on together yeah, <laughs> yeah. amicably? Yeah. And uh, and so when my plays my plays were sort of exploring the same sort of questions I would have been exploring if I had continued on to do postgraduate work in. Um, Psychology. Mm. Well, it's a theme that um, that brings people into it because, as you're saying, um, it is a constant theme in human relations, and uh, everyone can relate to what you say. Unfortunately, and it still remains a big question as to why the conflict and why the fighting. Uh, but it seems to be a part of the human. Um, it is part of human nature. I mean, we're uh, look fundamentally we're selfish creatures. We're all out for number one, um, and. Uh, when somebody else tries to, uh, to, to to grab something that we want, um, it's it's on for young and old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, but on the other hand, we're also highly social creatures. Uh, we we really care about what other people think of us. Uh, we don't want to be regarded uh, as as really bad <laughs> people. Mm -hmm. So our selfishness is tempered by the fact that we have to appear to be non-selfish. Uh, it's, it's quite a juggling act um, uh, because if we appear too selfish and too self-interested, people will dislike us. Uh, so we've got to pretend we're social creatures, we're, we're, we're socially spiritual,
and there, there are some people that are that really uh, put themselves out to help their fellow human beings. Uh, it seems to be a diminishing p- proportion of humankind, mm-hmm. um, but uh, there are good people out there that, that gain great pleasure from helping other people. But uh, the, I, I, sadly, I think they're in a minority. Mm-hmm. I think you're right too, David. But. Um when I started the magazine, I wanted to give some news stories that weren't going to get aired on mainstream media, which I guess lives by the um, tenant that um, good news is no news, you know. So yeah. we're going to get more bad news, I guess, than we deserve. But um, these um, contrasting, um, conflicting emotions and, and desires by humans trying to appear sociable but obviously be looking out for number one, that must create a, a tre- a, just a a non-stop um, ideas for you to write. I mean, there's so oh, much... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the third big feature of human nature is, is perhaps our most positive one, is that, um, that we do have empathy for people less fortunate than ourselves or less powerful than ourselves who are suffering. None of us likes to see the bully um, uh, exerting... Uh, uh, his or her um, uh, uh, behaviour on a helpless person. We all recoil at that, unless we're psychopaths, and there are a few of them out there. Mm. Uh, I mean, about 2 or 3% of our society couldn't care less what happens to other people, but most people do uh, experience discomfort and sometimes anger if they see... um, you know, relatively helpless people being exploited or being uh, treated badly. Um, and so that's, that's the third big strand of human nature that I try and chart, that we, yes, we're very selfish. Yes, we're very sociable, so we don't like to appear selfish, so we disguise our selfishness to uh, uh, as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, we really don't like hurting people especially people who are more vulnerable than ourselves. So we, we feel guilt and shame if we, uh, if we hurt uh, other people unnecessarily and we often try and make amends if we've done that. So social life is, is sort of a... You're juggling three balls at once. The, mm. the selfishness ball, the, the I, I want to be liked and, uh, by people ball and I don't want to really hurt... Uh, people um, ball and somehow you've got a thread of path through life juggling those three um, those three things and that's what I write about. Mm-hmm. Um, David, um, has being popular um, brought any um, disadvantages? Oh yeah, uh, yes, uh, it has. Um, uh, I, right from the start, I thought theatre is about getting audiences. Uh, if you don't have an audience, you don't have theatre. So I always have tried to make my plays um, entertaining. I've always tried to write plays that have dramatic momentum, that that keep the audience asking what's going to happen next. Otherwise, they lose interest. But on the other hand, I never wanted my plays to be trivial. I wanted a real examination of the conundrums of being a social human being. Mm. Um, uh, but, But sometimes in the arts, there's a feeling that if you're popular, you can't be any good. <laughs> so I've, uh, uh, you, you have to weather that storm too. There's a certain section in the community that believe that the fewer people that come to, that read a book or go to see a play uh, or go to see a movie, the better the movie or 
book or play must be. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've never quite subscribed to that. I think that's um, that's self-defeating. That's incredible. I believe there was one critic who who became disturbed at seeing people laughing during a play of yours, enjoying uh, Absolutely, themselves. yes. They wrote, I, a black cloud descended on me as I watched people falling about uh, uh, laughing. <laughs> and, and what that critic is saying is that these people are stupid. Uh, they shouldn't be enjoying this play because I'm not enjoying it. Um, and it seemed to me an incredibly elitist um, frame of mind, but so many of our... Our, our high-end critics have that, that feeling that I know better than the audiences. They are stupid. I am trying to tell them what they should like. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, the trouble is, critics see too many plays, they get bored. And so anything that's, that's, that's uh, cutting edge or off the, off the map, they say, oh, fantastic, but <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to go but them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it is. It's so funny, and I, I guess you could you could just write about that forever. That sort of behaviour. But I mean, geez, um, you. Uh, I'd never never heard such um, vernacular and Australianism in a movie or a play uh, since Summer of the Seventeenth Doll with you. And I was too young to really see that. But 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 it was just such a breath of fresh air to so many Australians who'd been looking at ways to believe that they could self express through the arts. Yeah, well, well, after that, the younger generation don't realise how dire it was when uh, I was trying to be a young writer. There were uh, there were virtually no Australian plays on our stages. There were no Austra there was no Australian film industry at all. There are a couple of fairly shoddy uh, television drama shows starting to appear, but mm. uh, but they were pretty terrible. Uh, and. Um, for an Australian actor who wanted to be in the theatre, the training was to go to England, uh, learn 43 different regional English accents and come back and perform in English plays for Australian audiences. Jeez, uh, mm. that's, that's what we understood theatre was. Mm. Or if it was a big musical, it would be from New York or the latest hit from New York or, or from London and that's, that's fair enough. But we weren't... Our actors weren't speaking their own accents. They weren't telling our own stories. Uh, they, uh, mainly because our arts infrastructure was controlled by Englishmen at that stage. Mm -hmm. uh, right, the, the universities, with, uh, literature departments were all staffed by, um, by academics from the Midlands of England who raced out here with the gospel of F.R. Leavis, that there are only five writers uh, that were worthwhile in the history of writing, and they're all English. And um, and uh, our theatres uh, were similarly dominated by English artistic directors who who thought that their job was to um, to educate and uplift the barbarous natives uh, into the finer aspects of um, of cultivated life. Oh. Um, it was very condescending stuff, and uh, and made us all very angry. Mm. Uh, at the time, uh, and gave a lot of fuel to um, to us wanting uh, our own um, our own stories. Yes, it was a great strength. A great strength evolved at that time among artists, I, I believe, uh, David, because of what um, what you just described. There must have been a wish to get things out there. I know that um, when the ABC Television started off, um, they spoke in the same English manner. So I mean, it was. Oh yeah, we, we, look. There was a cultural critic called A.A. A. Phillips that, that dubbed the, the, the cultural cringe, and mm. it was severe. 
was young. I mean, uh, we, 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 we conditioned ourselves to believe that nothing, no, we weren't worthy of telling stories because our life was so boring and we were so educated and so pathetic that, that nothing that we ever did was, was worth recording and, um, and uh, that real life happened elsewhere. Um, uh, we, okay, we could be soldiers, we could be slaughtered for the empire, uh, when necessary, uh, we could be nurses. We could go out in the battlefields when necessary. We could even be teachers, but but God help us, we were not intellectually bright enough, or our country was not interesting enough to ever tell stories. Uh, and that was uh, that was, and, and and we rebelled against that. We knew we were human beings, just as complex and uh, uh, just as. Um, uh, interesting as anybody else in the world mm. and we knew we mm. had our own language patterns which were colourful and uh, uh, more interesting than the boring provincial English dialogue we were forced to swallow all the time um, and uh, so yes uh, there was a lot of anger there fueling um, uh, our need to tell our own stories and have our own actors on our stages um, Sadly, it seems to be going in reverse a little bit at the moment because um, mm. because uh, we um, uh, were swamped by overseas product. Uh, some of it very good, um, a lot of it um, American uh, streaming product, which often is very good drama. Uh, but they're working on budgets about a hundred times greater than our budget, so it's very hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah, 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 that's right. And um, a need, obviously, during the coronavirus crisis, uh, the arts are suffering, but a need when all this is over, David, to, to inject a, even more um, money, resources, and, and in, into grooming young artists. Yes, uh, yeah, it, it's, this, this crisis is going to be devastating for the entertainment industry. The, uh, the, the film production has ceased, television production will cease. You can't gather people together on the same stage anymore. Um, you can't get people in audiences. Um, so it's going to be very lean times and we just hope we can rebound and have enough assistance to rebound. Uh, and we hope we have a government who realises that it is important for our own national well-being mm. and our own national self-esteem mm. to have our own lives depicted on our screens and our stages uh, at least some of the time. Mm. I think in my play Emerald City the writer says unless we have our own stories we'll always feel that real life happens elsewhere and is spoken in accents other than our own. And uh, How so, brilliant, how brilliant. Yeah, I saw that. How brilliant. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's 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 true. Uh, we will always feel we're a second-rate people who aren't worth uh, a, a, a hill of beans, as they say, unless we see that our lives are worthy of telling stories about. Um, I mean, Americans see their own lives 98% of the time on their screens and their television screens and on their stages. That's why the Americans, by and large, are so arrogant, because they... Um, they assume that everything of interest happens in America and they, never, they, they don't show much interest in the rest of the world. We, by contrast, I think, get about 12 or 15% at best of 
our own lives on our own screens and stages, sometimes 20% if we're lucky. Um, but we are, st we are aware there's another world out there, but the Americans aren't. They, they just see it. It's like narcissism. They just mm -hmm. see themselves all the time and think we must be the most wonderful people in the world because all we see is stories about ourselves. That's right, and they're always talking about themselves too, David. So, yeah, so there's that, that feeling that um, then, yeah. Then they behave in the world like that, like uh, you know, we're we're the only ones of any importance, and um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We're currently even more so than ever. Um, yeah. We spoke about Australianisms and uh, everyone having a story, and I guess that's true for individuals too, David, because. Uh, some of lesser esteem within their own view of themselves feel they don't have a story, but everyone does have a story, and there is a need for individuals to, I guess, get that out somehow, hopefully. To, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Australians have lives that are just as troubled, complex, funny, uh, and warm and tragic as anyone else in the world. And we have the same range of emotions and the same intensity of emotions as anyone else in the world and um, we just need to be confident enough to say that our stories are as good as any and we will tell them. No one is going to stop us from telling our own stories. Mm. Mm. I wonder why, I mean, we go back to poetry, David, and we have Henry Lawson and, and then later we have Bruce Dore and we have great poets within Australia that were able to use Australian lingo and terms and who were very popular. Um, and then there seemed to be a reluctance to adapt that to the rest of the arts. I suppose painting was... We had some great Australian painters that expressed themselves, but in on TV and plays and in music uh, until, I guess, the 70s, very reluctant to, to speak about Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm not sure it just was uh, why, uh, but I, I think we had absorbed subliminally that message from predominantly from England, that we're convicts and we're inferior and, uh, and, uh, and we ha have no right to challenge the supremacy of the land that, uh, that gave birth to Shakespeare. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've still got that attitude. They're still... Um, they're, they're, uh, despite the excellence of many Australian writers and stories, um, they're still that old colonial superiority um, the Americans are more open to Australian talent I think but yeah. um, um, they tend to absorb it into their own system yeah. and, uh, and then we lose it uh, to tell our own stories occasionally the good ones come back and do that but um, yeah. Yeah, it's was, a lure to yeah. go. Los Angeles is a, a worldwide magnet for anyone that wants the big time and the money and, the, uh, and often to tell uh, still to tell good stories. Mm, mm, that's right, yeah. And the, um, you talk about the subliminal insecurity that Australians developed. I remember Muhammad Ali coming out to Australia and Norman Gunston at the um, airport interviewing him. The first question Ali got after he'd been in Australia for about five seconds was Norman saying, and what do you think of, what do you think of Australia, Mr Ali? So... The, <laughs> Security was right there on the surface. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, right there. And, and when when Ava Gardner came out to uh, do the, the movie on the beach, she said, "Well, uh, Melbourne is a perfect place uh, to set the end of the world." Um, oh. and that set Australia into paroxysms of, of, of shrieking indignation. Uh, 
we were we were so sensitive to anyone saying anything that uh, anything that reinforced what we secretly believed was true. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that that nothing ever happened here, and we were dull, and we were hopeless, and um, and we were convicts, and we were stupid, and um, uh, mm. we had this this underlying belief about ourselves that um, was just waiting uh, to be reinforced by any adverse comments. Yes, yes, and Australians were scared to look themselves in the mirror for some time after that. I think because. That comment was like the worst thing that could have ever been said by anyone. I mean, it was just absolutely shocking. With um, with your um, political interests and um, and, and your awareness of um, of social issues, Balabo uh, in two thousand and nine, because in nineteen ninety nine, when the um, East Timor thing came to a head, um, that was a very dramatic time for the region, David. in 75 um, in letting the Indonesians have, have their way with East Timor. Uh, Gough Whitlam virtually turned a blind eye uh, and um, uh, when the Balabo Five were murdered um, mm. the attempts to um, find out what happened were feeble to say the least. Mm. Um, the Australian government again didn't want to embarrass the Indonesians what had happened but um, uh, it was instead of being indignant that our journalists were murdered um, our government did everything possible to um, to, uh, to to not make a fuss about it and um, absolutely it, shocking. it's, it, it's mm. still a stain the, the one thing I, I regret about the, the movie was that it, it it laid all the blame on the Indonesians but didn't explore how complicit our own government was to covering the whole thing up. Mm, very, very, very true, actually, when you look at it that way. And it was a very good movie, um, but have you ever met Shirley Shackleton? Or Yes, yes, yes I have. Um, She's lovely, uh, when isn't she? I was, mm. When I was researching it, um, uh, I, I did, and she was she was so angry that, um, that uh, Greg and the others had been um, swept under the carpet. Um, uh, the official inquiry sort of said, oh, they, they, they pretended to believe the Indonesian story that these chaps were just caught in the crossfire. It was just a, a misfortune. Um, uh, they, were, they were murdered in cold blood. Everyone knows that. The evidence was stark, but the Australian in investigations were rigged, and uh, Shirley was so angry at that. Mm -hmm. I've, I've wanted to... Um I've wanted to speak with Shirley about that for some time because I think it's part of our history and uh, we need it to be an accurate reflection of what actually happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think finally it is realised, um, the, the bulk of the population realised that those, um, in, those inquiries were, were sham and, the, um, uh, and it, it was just cold-blooded murder. They just wanted to cover up the fact
Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you've got to call it as it is, David. To do so is irresponsible to, to Australia as well as the rest of the, the world. Um, your current work, you're doing some work on larger and smaller place, uh, stages, David. You've got some, I guess, based on... Uh, what was the one that looks at assisted dying? Oh, Crunch uh, that, time? That, that, yes, that was, uh, that was crunch time at the ensemble. Um, unfortunately... Every theatre in Australia is closed down, so I had three plays running simultaneously, <laughs> all of which were closed down. Uh, uh, Emerald City, the revival by the Melbourne Theatre Company, mm. had barely opened its opening night when the edict came, um, any theatre over 500 and then any theatre over 100. So Emerald City was closed down, Crunch Time at the Ensemble was closed down, and the tour of uh, Family Values, which w- was really going well was closed down so I, I might be in the Guinness Book of Records <laughs> the only playwright who's had three plays closed down uh, overnight well jeez what was that Mel Brooks movie the producers yeah well yeah. But, but anyhow that's look um, now Crunch Time looks at assisted dying and yeah, um, yes it did yeah it looked at, looked at sibling rivalry mm. which is a which is a feature of many 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 families and causes untold uh, misery mm. and and uh, it looks at a family uh, riven apart by sibling rivalry that has to sort of try and come together again to cope with the with the imminent death of of the father. Mm-hmm. Yep. Had this been driven by a personal experience? Well, yes. I've um, uh, yes. Uh, I, I, one of my close friends uh, died an excruciating death of uh, from pancreatic cancer horrible way to go um voluntary assisted dying wasn't uh, available and it, it was just criminal um that uh someone can't end their life with dignity before they become a human skeleton and um unrecognizable yes yes actually uh, yeah. it makes me uh, the christian lobby that insists that we mustn't have voluntary assisted dying i can't imagine what kind of god they think would mm. want mm. to prolong the agony uh, that, that people like that go through. I mean, he must be a very cruel God if he says, no, they've got to suffer right until their last minute. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. No, very well said, very well said, David, because on, on, on a couple of personal reasons here too, also, um, I'm lucky enough to have gone to school with uh, Dr Roger Hunt, who was one of the um, organisers behind the um, Victorian laws, and um, that that brought a personal and close um, observation of what was going on. And then, of course, you mentioned your friend dying of pancreatic cancer. Well, my lovely wife um, was 58 in 2017 when she died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry for you because it's a horrible way to go, yeah. Mm. Uh, Wendy went quickly, quietly and peacefully, which was... Uh, but I was at that point before that happened of not wanting her to go through any any pain. And obviously, with the laws being as they were at the time, um, it, it was it was heartbreaking in many ways. So Yeah, awful, awful. Mm. Mm. And of but, course... But yeah. thank, God, thank God at least two states have uh, become enlightened. Mm, indeed, indeed. Now, these players, they'll be running again when the whole thing settles down. I hope so, I hope so, but we don't know how long it's going. I mean, the, the, uh, the latest forecasts are saying, look... Forget it. This is not over until there's a vaccine. Um, and uh, it, it, China thinks it's beaten it, but it'll come back uh, because most of its population didn't get it. Um, uh, but 
this, as long as this, there's no vaccine, we're in trouble, and that could be up to 18 months away. So we've got a very long haul ahead of us. Mm. It was interesting to see um, the, the Hillsong gathering uh, when the news of how it was being spread came about, and... Um, there seems to be a deliberate ignorance. You spoke about Bondi Beach. That's religion for some Australians and Hillsong for others, I guess. It, yes, it like the Lord will protect us <laughs> as long as, long as we can be cheek to jowl and, uh, and uh, the Lord will see that nothing happens to us. Well, the height of stupidity... I mean, religion is the height of stupidity, but I, I've always known that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it's being proven in many ways. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know... I think most of us would like to go to the opposite place. Yes, yes. A little hot, but more interesting. <laughs> well, talking of hot, you've got the um, the long weekend festival up there, which you started, and um, how's no, that? No, no, it's all it's all cancelled. Yeah. Um, uh, all the arts festivals have been cancelled. The uh, long weekend, which is now called Noosa Alive, which was to start in July, that's been cancelled. Mm. The uh, my play was due to come up and start it, but that's all cancelled. Uh, the uh, the performing arts is probably been the sector the most hard hit uh, of all, uh, and the least attention has been paid to it. Uh, the airlines, oh yeah, keep the airlines going, and we'll give them lots and lots and lots of money, and then they go and sack twenty thousand the next day. Mm. Uh, but mm. the arts, oh, you know, artists—they're always poor, so who cares? Mm. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, an accurate observation, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, there doesn't seem... But this had been going on for some time under the current government. I, I do believe there was a, a less less focusing on arts, um, a deliberate thing, perhaps, but... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. This, this government hates the ABC and hates the arts because mm. uh, sometimes artists tell the truth and sometimes the ABC tells the truth, uh, and they hate that. Um, Well, the Prime Minister may see this as God's reckoning. Yes, that's... Well, yeah, for questioning uh, uh, Christian morality occasionally uh, and for saying that this government is not perfect occasionally, as the ABC does, uh, that evil will be eradicated from the world. The, the, God has sent coronavirus to get rid of the ABC and the, uh, and the arts. Well, yeah, I, I think I think I think that that's probably right. We, I, I interviewed a, a professor from down in Tasmania, who uh, th- thought we deserved to know more about uh, our prime prime minister's religious beliefs. But I think it's it's unraveling itself in regards to what you just spoke about. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think are you going to write something about this, David? No, no. I've I've, uh, I've had my fifty years. I'm. Uh five kids and 14 grandkids and it's going to take a bit to get through this crisis so uh, I think we'll be fully occupied. Mm. While it's on, did you watch the football last night? Uh, I, I didn't but I, I would have liked to because as an old Collingwood supporter uh, it, it looked like a good start to the year but there won't be much more of the year, you can bet your boots on that. No, you know, it, may, it may stop today, tomorrow, who knows, but it was a lovely win David. Probably the year they would have won the premiership, the whole thing would 
something will be called off because it's inevitable that some footballer is going to get the virus and the whole team will be quarantined and then it's all 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 finished. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen sooner or later, but they actually did a bit of a song and dance after the win too, which was lovely, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. David, um, it's, it's great speaking to you about social issues, about your history with playwriting and your impact and influence on Australia and Australians' view of themselves in light of um, recognition that we do have interesting stories to tell.